All right. Good morning, listeners. Uh, welcome to this week's news from the drug war front. Uh, my name is Jeff, and my co-presenter is Marion. Good morning. Good morning, Jeffrey, and good morning, you people out there. It's, uh, Karma and the Connection, by the way, provides a wide range of services like advocacy, peer treatment, support, opioid maintenance treatment, which they don't provide, but they will direct you towards... Hepatitis C treatment, which they are involved with the provision of, education, art therapy, support groups, rehab uh, services, dealing with stigma and discrimination, mentoring, referrals, above all, Karma and the Connection are harm reduction services. Karma and the Connection are located at Belcon and Churches Centre, Shop 17, Level 154, Benjamin Way. The drop-in hours are 10am to 4pm, Monday to Friday. Contact can be made on 62533643 or by emailing karma at info at karma.org.au. Indeed. And I wanted to say, of course, because I always want to keep on talking, but Jeffrey will wind me up when he's sick of it, Advocacy is something that Karma does, and I just wonder how many of our listeners understand what you might need advocacy for and what it actually is, right? Advocacy is when somebody speaks on your behalf or goes (coughs) with you to a service to help you get involved with that service. That includes things like housing, um looking after your kids or keeping your kids or keeping contact with your kids, um, trying to get on opioid maintenance. Um, Karma actually is involved because we are peers and because we understand what drug, because we know what drug users are doing because they tell us uh, and if they don't, that we give them the opportunity to. We can go to services who don't understand drug users and think that they are beasts and monsters of all kinds and represent you because it's so hard to talk and speak, ask for things on your own behalf, Jeffrey, isn't it? Well, a lot of people find it very difficult. To- people will not go and say, I want to get on methadone because, or I want to have my arms looked at, I want to have my abscesses fixed up because they don't want to acknowledge that they inject or that they use drugs in any way because they think that they'll be just shoved out the door. And sometimes people will look down their noses at you. That's what stigma and discrimination does. That's why advocacy is important. Oh, absolutely. Stigma and discrimination go back If you've got somebody next to you, they can't look down their nose at you and say, no, we don't deal with people like you because... They've got a witness there. Yeah, you've got a support person who's advocating. Who will say, no, no, that's, yeah. you can't say that. That's wrong. You can't just deny somebody access to this service because of what you think they are. Because what does a drug user look like? Well, good Tell question. me that. Yeah. yeah. No, look, you're right, Marion. Um, advocacy is one of the most important things karma does, I think, is um, going I, along yeah. with people and, you know, being there as their either moral support or information. Yeah, absolutely. Or, just Look, just having somebody with you is so important. Even if you just take a friend with you who knows the jargon. And, but the people, the kids at Karma, the people at Karma, I beg your pardon, they're not kids, they're just all younger than me. <laughs> the people <laughs> at Karma will go with you to see those services and help you navigate your way through those services to get the outcome that you are satisfied with. Maybe not the one you want, 
at what they've got to offer, they have to make available to you and karma can help them, help you to encourage them to make those services available to you because you're entitled to them. It's about understanding your rights. You are have in, you are entitled to service provision. Mm. Um, input put out, and I say this every week, input put out a, a list of human rights that drug users are entitled to and they are very powerful things and really surprised me to find out that I was entitled to be treated like a human being, not like a drug user. and But that should be obvious, yeah? Should, That's why we need be. advocacy because even people who sound like they are strong and capable of speaking on their own behalf aren't necessarily so. Mm. They, But I can speak on behalf of someone else very vocally and quite even articulately sometimes. I can almost remember the words sometimes. But it's not so easy when I'm speaking on my own behalf or asking for something for me. Yeah. So that's no. what advocacy is. Someone speaking on your for you on your behalf for your preferred outcome. And extending uh, what you've been saying, Marion, a bit further, with you could say advocacy extends to systemic advocacy as well, which is where yes. karma's inputting into policy changes. Indeed, um, it is, and. An example of that, Jeffrey, is the uh, the co-designing of the research. Yes, we know that they've been um, researching, doing research on drug and alcohol users, uh, but they're designing it. Had been designing it in the past in the absence of input hmm. from alcohol and drug users, and now this year, a TODA, a, in collaboration with Karma and drug users are co-designing research in order to discover what kinds of questions need to be asked to find out about the service provision that is or isn't available in Canberra and surrounding districts. Uh, and so what do we need to ask to find out what they want to know and we want them to know? So it sounds convoluted, I know. I may not be explaining it clearly, but the idea is ring karma and find out about the co-design groups. There are a range of target groups that we want to talk to. Yep. Turn up for an hour and a half on a specific date. It's on Friday, I think. Well, this week. They will be Fridays, yep. Yep. It'll be for an hour and a half and you get paid 50 bucks to turn up. Yep. And with any luck, they might even give you some food. But, and you know, food and money is pushing it. <laughs> this week's um, the, the focus group is uh, women. Yes. Uh, drug users. So On Friday, yeah. If you're interested, give Karma a call. And, um, 62533643. Yeah. And um, get express in touch your interest. With, yeah, yeah. Get in touch and find out if they're – and if you're not a woman for this week, if you're not a woman, you know, there you're are probably not going to be a woman next week either, but, <laughs> <laughs> which is really silly, but – if you're not a woman, which is what Friday's group, this Friday's group about is about, there are other groups that will probably be targeted at your at your cohort yes. or the groups of people that you uh, represent, if you like, or the uh, community or the age group that you that 
you are part of. So ring Karma, find out about it, or ring a toad, and I don't have their number on me. Yeah, I've left the information in the office, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. it's sitting on the wall, but yeah. and we can see it, <laughs> which yeah. is really useful, but we didn't bring it with us so today. It's a really important opportunity for people to express their opinions about what they do and don't like about and services. Absolutely, and especially the services that we want. And I keep on saying I know that the day after I die, they're going to bring in the Marion Watson Memorial Heroin Program, um, which is going to be really helpful, but I wouldn't mind if that happened Before you prior to that <laughs> going on. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but opioids, yeah, opioid provision, that's a problem. Yeah. Overdose, that's a problem. Yeah. There's People a lot of who come out of rehab um, or out of jail uh, have a drink, which is inevitably what leads them to having a shot and overdosing because they do it by themselves. So all that kind of stuff, we need to find out about how do you protect, how do we protect our community, how do we find out about where our community is and what they're up to. So, yeah. Absolutely. And get into just it. on that point, that's where the um, can test uh, drug checking service, which, you know, at the moment it's only open six hours a week, but it's Absolutely. open. And but, it's, well, the information that's come amazing. out of Jeffrey's been amazing. Opioid users should know that the range of um, uh, toxicity, if you like, well, toxicity is probably the wrong word for my for my purposes. But the, the range of uh, sure. value or of quality of heroin goes from around thirty percent to around sixty percent at the moment. Now, if you have a whack of it's the same dose, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the uh, heroin tomorrow from a different provider or even from the same provider and it's not the same dope that you had yesterday but it's because yesterday you had the 30% and today you have the 60%, you're going to drop. This is one of the problems of not having a safe supply. That's which right. Which we say often. Anyway, um, this news from the Drug War Front uh, program reports on news stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and also around the world. Um, many of the articles featured come from other sources, including the mainstream media, um, and it, the, this broadcast does not, necessar not necessarily reflect the views, views and policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use, and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we do recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic healthcare. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. And look what's down the bottom, Jeffrey. The next service user satisfaction outcome oh. survey, or the SUSOS, is this Friday and will be a women's group. To book a place, call Karma on 6253-3643, which I already said, or a TOTA, which is 6249-6358. So there you go. Got both numbers. Yep, both numbers are theirs. Didn't have to remember them at all. It was at the bottom of the page. <laughs> all right. You've brought uh, a CD in, Blind Faith. Absolutely. And a song called uh, Well, All Right. Yeah, and a lot of people will remember Blind Faith. Well, I know Jack will because he'll be listening. But, you know, this is this was the original Eric Clapton and Stevie Winwood, is it? I think so, yeah. It was like one of it's the first. It's on the back there, Jeffrey. Super group. Stevie Winwood. 
Uh, Eric Clapton in the black bit. Actually, hasn't got it on the back of no, the. No, in the um, black bit. Um, I can't. On the see. back, sweetie. Well we'll, well, we'll 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 mention after the song. This is well, all right.
Okay, that was uh, Blind Faith, I might add, and that was well all right. Now, Blind Faith, one of the very first supergroups with Eric Clapton, Ginger Baker, Stevie Winwood, and Rick Wright, and I just had a thank you from Jack and Pete, so a big shout-out to them. And a valet too to Chris Hayes, who I did mention last week but died of an overdose about a week and a half ago. We're very sorry to hear about that. Please, yeah. people, don't use a Be careful, yeah. Please be careful when have you naloxone have naloxone on hand. Yep. Always have naloxone on hand or have somebody you can ring or can ring you to find out if you're okay and will come over and check up on you if you use by yourself or if you use for the first time after not using for a long time. We've told you how strong the heroin is at the moment. You've got to be careful. And if people have a drink which leads them to having a shot, which is often what happens after yeah, they've been abstinence for a while. They're going to die if they've got no one around them. Yeah. Everyone should be carrying naloxone. There's no reason for people to die from opioid overdose at all. For want of naloxone, yeah. Anyway, my darlings, that's well all right. An original Buddy Holly, well done, redone by Blind Faith. So well, over to you, Jeffrey. Are you going to mention the clinic changes? The clinic, that's right. I have to keep on talking, by the way. Sorry about that, gang. Um, So the Karma Clinic has changes coming up. From November, the Karma Clinic will be permanently moving from Wednesdays to Thursdays, okay? This is due to Dr Levi and Nurse Carey both retiring. Oh, no. And their replacements can only do it on Thursdays. So the new times for the clinic will be on Thursdays starting with the 3rd of November. So we'll have Nurse Sandy and Dr Eliza instead of Michael and Carey. Dr Michael will continue at Karma until Wednesday, the 26th of October, so that'll be the week before they change over. Once Nurse Carey retires this month, that's the end of September, a new nurse, Margie, will work alongside Michael until his retirement, which means that there'll be some handover period and warming into the job. And they've done such a wonderful job. Um, It's been great to have them. Yeah, it's been great. And we should thank them roundly for doing that. And sorry that they're retiring, but it's an exhausting job to be doing, so we understand perfectly. (laughs) I guess he reached retirement age eventually. You get a get to a point where you just can't put out anymore. Yeah. No matter how much you want to, yep. you just can't do it and not keep something for yourself. Yeah. You know? Anyway, so November the, from November, the Karma Clinic will shift to Thursday with Dr Eliza and Nurse Sandy starting from November the 3rd. Many thanks to Michael and Carrie for their wonderful collaborative work. Yeah, and it's been a great um, example of the partnerships that Karma has been developing with other organisations. Indeed, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, a, it's good to see that Karma's collaborating or other agencies are collaborating with Karma, learning how to deal with drug users where they're at. Yep. Yeah, because the reality of Karma's approach is that we, as a peer, there's no power differential. Yep. That means we don't think we're any better than you. And if we collaborate with other agencies particularly the ones that do things like opioid replacement, sometimes there is a problem because the control with the provision of things like methadone is that somebody's got it and you need it. 
And it's also they lack the of prescribers. To refuse to give it to you. It's also a shortage of prescribers. Yeah. Absolutely, another yeah. issue in itself. It's so we should make a call out if you have a doctor that you value um, and you think uh, would be interested in being involved in opioid maintenance treatment. Calling it treatment, opioid maintenance programs. Why not have a talk to them at your next session with them at your next appointment? Um, yeah. See if they'll take a couple more clients. They don't have to take a batch. They don't have to take a bunch. No, just, just a couple more clients. We know that GPs are overworked. Yeah, but they'll get trained uh, in how to deal with opioid um, prescription. Um, and they'll also be networked with. People will be in touch with them. So have a think about it. See if your doctor might be interested in that. And the other good thing is your GP can take on five clients without having to do any induction or extra work. Or That's right. All they have to do is, yeah, just, yeah, it's not a big deal. No, it's just I think just there's a lot of it. misinformation yeah. and prejudice and stigma you know well um, and that's the issue isn't it the stigma and discrimination of what people think will happen what doctors think will happen if they start dealing with drug users mm. in their practice in their practice and that's an issue i mean if they're already excuse me if they're already uh, bulk billing which i know there's an issue about at the moment it's another but problem if they're already yep. bulk billing that's all I need to be doing to take on new five clients. Just take on five and you just make a big hole in that waiting list for people to get on the opioid replacement therapies program. Well, it's been such an effective program. Um, we need to work to eliminate obstacles to people being able to access it. You That's know? right. And one is, you know, being able to get on it readily when people are, are ready. Yes. And... Um, yeah, have a GP that can prescribe is a big plus. A chemist Absolutely. And if we don't get doctors who or pe if we don't have access, we as drug users don't have access to programs on the day we need them, not at a time when they're, the waiting list is sufficiently reduced so that it's your turn, then you may not ever get the chance to do it because you may die in between time. Well, all services need to be ready, you know, yep, and available that's right. at the Why, time that somebody needs them. Everyone should be carrying naloxone and, you know, that reminds me there's, you know, there'll be more naloxone training. We need some new people to start doing naloxone yes, training. Yeah. Um, we're getting some of the same old people who are just turning up to get the 40 bucks. That's okay, but we need naloxone to be used, not just to be stored at home, but either to be the training to be done and to be handed out for the naloxone to be handed out to other people to use or for it to be used by the people who do the training. Um, but I'm just keen for everyone yep. to have naloxone. doesn't do anything, just does one thing and does it well. Indeed. Yeah, well said, Mary. So we want you to stay alive. And it's one of the most um, yep. great achievements of karma. Um, naloxone Absolutely. Program. Okay, we've got the uh, National Community Radio News coming up and uh, we'll return after the news. So um, stay tuned and we shall return. Okay. All right, it's uh, coming up four minutes after 11 and uh, you're listening to News from the Drug Warfront brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy. And uh, we mentioned at the start of the show that it's Radiothon time for 2XX. So this week we are here to remind you to support the station if you can. Uh, all subscribers will go into the Radiothon prize draw 
and you could win a double pass to the 2023 National Folk Festival, which are quite a good prize. Um, tickets to shows at the Canberra Theatre and movies at the Palace Electric Cinema, gift cards for Betty's Burgers and Green Gold Nursery and lots more. So to subscribe, simply go to twx.org.au. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. And click the Radiothon banner or support us button on the homepage. Two double X supporting community voices. Always. All right, yeah. we might go to a song. I thought I'd play uh, Iggy Pop Night Clubbing.
right, that was uh, Iggy Pop and nightclubbing. It's coming up about 10 minutes after 11. You're listening to news from the drug war front with Jeff and Marion in Studio 12 uh People Powered Radio, 98.3 FM. Indeed you are. And we're going to go overseas now because it's really interesting. Uh, Malaysia's considering, well, not considering Malaysia, not Malaysia, sorry, Thailand, going to give out a couple of uh, marijuana plants to citizens so they can grow their own marijuana. And uh, the reaction from... The local area in Asia it's has been a positive. little bit negative, <laughs> to say the least. So, so the the article is legalisation of cannabis in Thailand will present more challenges with many people travelling to and from Singapore, as we know. Singapore still has the death penalty for. Uh, importing or having anything to do with drugs or being caught, more to the point. Anyway, this is by Ang, Hang, Ang Hui Min, channelnewsasia.com, September the 4th. Home Affairs and Law Minister Kay Shanmugam said the death penalty works as a serious deterrent against drug trafficking. In Singapore, the freer availability of cannabis in Thailand will present more challenges with many people travelling to and from Singapore, said Minister for Home Affairs, Kay Shanmugam. Oh, Shan, Shanmugam. Yeah, Shanmugam. On Thursday, September the 1st, Mr Shanmugam was responding to a question by Malaysian broadcaster Astro Awani about how Thailand's decision to legalise cannabis will impact the drug situation in the region and in Singapore. Quote, would it be a problem, he said, I think the freer availability of cannabis in Thailand, to which a lot of Singaporeans go to and from, (laughs) yeah, uh, to, go to and from where a lot of tourists come to Singapore is going to present more challenges. I'm sure it will, he said on Astro Aswami's Consider This program. If there is clear evidence of current use of drugs, Singapore authorities will take action, regardless of whether the consumption was in Singapore or overseas, the minister said in a Facebook post earlier Thursday about national swimmers' Joseph Schooling and Amanda Lim. Schooling and Lim had both admitted to taking drugs in the past, he added in the post. Research shows that the use of cannabis is harmful and addictive. Not true, says Marion, but Mr Shanmugan says, noting that it is it can cause irreversible brain damage, wrong, brain shrinkage, wrong, Serious mental and psychiatric illness. Again, wrong, Mr Shanmugan. Quote, Some pharma companies and NGOs, non-government organisations, with vested interests have argued that cannabis is a soft drug, that cannabinoids have medical benefits, he added. Quote, But really, they are driven by the green rush, the desire to make money. It's a lucrative industry. In Singapore, the use of cannabis is allowed when doctors require it for medical purposes, based on medical advice, said Mr Shanmugan, who's also law minister. After Thailand decriminalised the sale of cannabis in June, the government, quote, had uh, had to then try to rein in the effects, he added. 
after Thailand decriminalised, oh no, we did that, quote, within a week, cannabis was everywhere, in drinks, in food, in toothpaste (laughs) and in cookies. How do they get away with this stuff? (laughs) And in cookies. Whoa. He added, the Thai government (laughs) made schools cannabis-free areas, banned smoking in public, and banned the sale of cannabis to pregnant and breastfeeding mothers. It also moved to try and protect minors and vulnerable parts of the population, Mr Shanmugan said. Quote, but once it's in cookies and once it's in soft drinks and once it's in toothpaste, how do you protect breastfeeding mothers? How do you protect pregnant women? How do you protect young children? How do you police this? So there is... Difficulties in controlling once you do this, he added. I think when Sir Mr Shanmugan is no fan. Mr Shanmugan needs a lot of education. (laughs) Uh, The next heading is Malaysia's cannabis laws. Mr Shanmugan also responded to a question about Malaysia's health ministry uh, researching and looking into legalising medical marijuana and how that could impact Singapore. Quote, if Malaysia legalised cannabis or other drugs, given the even greater flow of people between Malaysia and Singapore, Singapore compared to Thailand and Singapore, it will be more challenging from a law enforcement angle and, and trying to keep Singapore drug free. If you mean by impact, whether because Malaysia does something, therefore will we follow suit, I think that's not the usual way that our legislation works, he added. We look at the research and we look at the science. Hmm, that's dubious. And we decide for ourselves. <laughs> and our laws don't always look like Malaysian laws and our policies don't always look like Malaysian policies. We no. diverge when we have to. With Malaysia planning to abolish its mandatory death penalty, that's that's good to hear. That is a break, yeah. Yeah, I mean... There are still countries that have, you know, the death penalty, sadly. Well, Singapore being one of them, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah with Malaysia planning to abolish uh, mandatory death penalty, Mr Shanmugam was asked if this was something Singapore uh, may consider. Quote, there is a good reason why we do have the mandatory death penalty, said the minister. These are matters for government, and as a matter of policy, for a long time, we've decided that once a certain threshold is crossed, in order to have a deterrent effect, people must know that the mandatory death penalty Penalty will apply. Wow. And they do that to overseas. Yeah. People from overseas more often than they do, I think, That's true. It's been a long history of um, executing uh, foreign citizens. Indeed. Uh, It's quoted as saying, if we remove that, the deterrent effect of the death penalty will be substantially reduced. He noted that the mandatory death penalty has, quote, a very high deterrent effect. And if we remove that, if you dilute the deterrent effect and the deterrent effect is part of and the deterrent effect is part of the government's policy against drugs. Okay, so yeah. they're not, no change. Yeah. So, so we're not likely to change simply because Malaysia changes. We will change when we think that the deterrent effect is no longer there, for example, or if conditions are different and you need to adopt a different approach to have that deterrence. It's a question of what's your policy and how you, need, how you seek to achieve it. He said the task of any government is to persuade people they're doing the right thing. If there is a different view that is in the majority, laws will have to change to reflect that majority viewpoint. But if you're in the government and you believe something's right, whether it's majority viewpoint or minority viewpoint, you explain your position, then you decide whether morally you're prepared... Oh, see, he's got a moral objection. Yeah. Uh, whether morally you're prepared to stay on, even though you think the steps that are going to be taken are going to be against the public interest. Yeah, and you make that... It's a very subjective point of view and 
you know, damn the research. Yeah. Let you know, forget the facts. Let's go with what I I personally know to be true. I'm not for changing. This is Mr. Sam again. Whoa. Yeah. The next heading: penalties must be if. Uh, effective deterrent. The minister was asked about the Singapore government's approach to those working up against the death penalty or working against the death penalty. He said any penalty can only be justified if it's explained rationally. Quote, you don't impose a penalty, particularly the death penalty, because you want to be harsh. Yeah. Really? That's, yeah, that's strange. How more harsh could you get? This is not the question of being harsh for the sake of being harsh, he added. Quote, the penalty must be effective. It must be deterrent. And that's what I mean by effective. God. People know of the laws in Singapore and therefore they do not traffic drugs, he said. Hmm. Betcha that's not true. Quote, some decide that they will chance their lives, take the risk because they want to make a few extra bucks, but most don't, he added. He said that it's his duty to try and persuade Singaporeans that having the death penalty work works as a serious deterrent and that it saves thousands of lives. Well, it doesn't. The death penalty actually gets rid of lives. According to 2021 survey by the government, 7 in 10 people say they support the mandatory death penalty for drug trafficking. And nearly 80% support the mandatory death penalty for murder. Gad. No, did Mr Shanmugan. Quote, why do they support it? Because more than 80% believe the death penalty has a deterred, has deterred those offence, these offences in Singapore. 20 to 30 percent disagree, and in any democratic country, you'll have 20 to 30 percent that disagree. The data speaks for itself, he added. A government survey of the region where people could be trafficking drugs into Singapore also indicates that a substantial majority, that's in quotes, more than 60 percent of people, including people in southern Malaysia, said that the death penalty is a very effective deterrent, says Mr. Shanmugan. Well, I find that very hard to believe. Okay. The quote goes on. How does Singapore's reputation suffer? I mean, there are people who are ideologically opposed, but you must be careful to distinguish between a few Western correspondents who go to the same people in Singapore who oppose the death penalty, quote them, and then write articles, he added. Quotes. Going, still going on, and the majority viewpoint in Singapore and the majority viewpoint about Singapore is a, um, a well-governed, well-run, well-managed country where people are free to walk about and do what they want to do. Just don't smoke pot. Except <laughs> not flush the toilets, not spit in public. I mean, there are... There are a lot of rules. A and, lot of rules yeah. in Singapore. I it's think a even very long hair place. is against uh, dodgy, yeah. Uh, is it? Indeed. And I suppose I'm being unfair because I've never been beyond the airport in Singapore, but really with this kind of rationalisation of the drug, of the death penalty. Let's be clear, it goes on. Uh, sorry, when you don't like the results, some people will, will question the results too, he said. Let's be clear, drugs are bad. Drugs destroy more lives. It's a point I make. These large numbers, there is no answer. We are responsible for the lives of Singaporeans, he added. And this survey, I don't design the surveys, I don't look at the questions. 
they are done by professionals. And we are not in the business of designing questions in a way where we get the answers we want. I'm sure it was done professionally. Well, if he hasn't had a look at it, how would he know, Geoffrey? <laughs> I would add. Well, I would argue. I don't think there's any confusion about his uh, attitude on the subject. Uh, no, he's pretty well convinced that everybody agrees with him or the majority of people agree with him. And it's interesting that was a discussion on uh, what is a mandate um, and that if you are elected, does that mean that people give you a mandate to enforce every Everything. policy yeah. that you stand for. I think this was with the the new um, senator from the ACT, Rob... Uh, po- is it Lockwood? David Pocock? Pocock. Sorry, Lockwood. Where'd that come from? Locks. Um, he was on ABC said, last night talking about his yeah, I mean, run the for the Senate. It was also to- he was talking about um, the Liberal Party guy who used to be a Zedza Zedza Um And the point is that... Often people will vote for a party, yeah, but they won't necessarily agree with all their policies hmm. because they voted for the party for all their life, right? Yeah, but they decided they're not. But even Pocock says they may have voted for me just to vote against said Sezelja. Hmm. That doesn't mean they agree with, with everything, everything I stand, I stand for. for. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't necessarily got a mandate to go rushing in and say this is what I stand up for and I've been voted in so I have a mandate hmm. to try to enforce oh, That's this. interesting. Yeah. And that's, I think, some of the stuff that people, you know, in government need to think about very sincerely and particularly the Singaporean government. Just because you get voted in doesn't mean everybody agrees with the every position that you put up so that if you support the death penalty, uh, by the way, I might add, what happens if you say you don't support the death penalty um, when you're involved in research? And who helps them to design their Mm -hmm. research? Interesting point. When he's saying, I'm sure it's done professionally, he doesn't know. No. So is it legitimate research or is it, do they ask questions to which there is obviously a right and a wrong answer? I think it's a moral policy that they're just going to stick to come hell or high well, water. Well, he admits it's yeah. a moral stance. Yeah. And that's generally what we've been saying, I guess, over the last, certainly the last five years I've been here, Jeffrey. I've always thought that the stance against drugs has been a moral stance rather than, I mean, there is a legal status, obviously, but... The reason for yeah. maintaining the legal status is one of morality. Is it okay to be intoxicated or not? Mm. And that's a subjective moral decision. And do you have the right to impose your morality on the rest of the population? That's no, it. we don't. I, I don't, don't think I don't think do. so, no. Um, but at, to what extent does the fact that somebody uses drugs impact other people's mm. behaviour or other people's lives? And that's when it's an illegal drug, it does impact other people because it may be going on in front of them. They may see drug transactions happening and they may not like it. But it's going to happen whether you see it or not. Hmm. So, Mr Shan Mugan, I'm sorry, but if you think Singaporeans aren't using drugs, you're wrong. Hmm. I think that's They're there, they're doing it. Yep. You may not like it. They just don't let you see it. Yeah, just been very careful. Um, okay, you've uh, picked a Black Sorrows CD uh, to play, uh, Hold Again. On To Me. Is that the song? Hold On To Me, yes. Yeah. This was really about the advocacy, wasn't it, Jeffrey? 
I was thinking about Chain to the Wheel, but it actually goes with Hold On To Me, yeah? All right. Well, this is The Black Sorrows and... Uh, hold On To Me. Hold On To Me.
That was uh, that's a good Black Sorrows. Good old Jojo Vetch. Yeah. Zip. Hold on to me. It's yep. a yeah, good piece. Okay, uh, just a quick um, reminder that this is the time of year when X puts out the hat and rattles the tin for the Radiothon. A big part of X's running costs need to be raised over this week during the year and it does form a crucial financial bedrock for the ongoing health and viability of our great little radio station and I can only endorse that, you know. Yeah, well, we always say every week that, you know, if you like X, if you value what you hear from it and you must, if you're listening to us, you must do... Why not subscribe? Why not chuck them some money? doesn't have to be forever. You can do it as a one-off thing. You can attend the block party on Saturday night at the Polish club. Yeah. Um, There are bands there, Los Chavos, uh, J.P. Jep, Guns of Dixon, Choro de Capital. It's a Brazilian band and there's a reggae. That's Guns of Dixon is a reggae band. Uh, Choro de Capital is Brazilian folk band. Jep is jazz inside. Los Chavos is Latin. It's ska band. So, yeah, yeah, get involved. Come to the block party. Spend a little bit of money. Just sub- either subscribe or donate some money to 2XX just to keep it going and to keep shows like us on the air. And as I say, if you like news from the drug war front, which we do because we do it, um... Say so you're doing it because you listen to news from the drug war front and you want to hear it, keep going. That's a really good point, Maz. Yeah. yeah we'd be really appreciative. Um, actually, I got forwarded uh, a, um email that a, a listener sent in last week after last week's show just saying how much they enjoyed hearing our show and you and I were very yeah. professional and it was... Stella, remember, well, yeah, and we're very grateful for that. That came from Indonesia, didn't it? Um, or was that locally? I think it was local. It's it hard was to tell. a local yeah. one, that's right. But, but the other thing was that I remember I got on a bus. There was a bus driver, Jeffrey, remember? Oh, you told last me, Last yeah. year. He remembered who your said, voice. I recognised your voice. And, John, if you're listening, subscribe to News from the Drug Warfront. Big shout-out to you. You're on the bus. Play it on the bus. Awesome. When, so other people can hear it too because... For crying out loud, the more people that hear it, the more people will start to understand what harm reduction is about. Yep. And know that you're thinking sensibly about drugs because that's what we're trying to tell people to do. Trying to get people to think, you know, yeah, about the issue. Yeah, get them to think, get them to talk about it. You've got time on the bus. Talk about it to your bosses or your co-workers. I mean... Half of them probably drinkers anyway. That's a drug if ever there was one. Yeah, more harmful than a lot of the drugs we talk about. You mentioned off air this morning, Marion, um, just before we started, that there was a, a piece in the on the ABC about consideration of a... Indeed. They're thinking about a safe injecting site in Canberra. Wow. And that was on the ABC News last night, and that's pretty amazing. It's been considered at the moment. Yeah. It's been... I mean... No surprise to us that it's – we're surprised that it's been considered. No surprise that they're going to consider it because it's been successful in Sydney for 22 years and now. And also Melbourne. They've got it in Melbourne. They've won in Melbourne, thinking of getting another one. Canberra being at the forefront of a lot of harm reduction stuff and having representation from um, our peers, from drug users, on their committees um, – Good on you, Chris, and all other representatives who are peers but do not acknowledge that they are peers who have an input to decisions regarding drug use in Canberra. 
good for you. And Keep on doing it. Keep credit. on telling them what they need to know and what they need to hear. Credit to our elected representatives too, I think, for having yep. the courage. Absolutely. To... I just think it's great. <clears throat> and the good thing about karma and having karma around is that through karma we can get a voice that will influence, not yeah. have power necessarily, just influence. People don't hear our ideas and the fact that we are here and we're not going away anytime soon, well, I hope not, um, if they don't understand we're here and that we have opinions, that we are try to be sensible, we try to be legitimate, we don't try to be only critical, we want to be constructively cooperative about the provision of services and that's what their TOTA research is about too, that co-design. Yeah. Yep. So get some decent, get into involved with the research, get the information out there, get involved with 2XX, listen to the news, respond to the news. It's right to the Canberra Times, letters to the editor. Yep. I was thinking about it this morning, Jeffrey, that I would send a letter to say, you know, this is crazy, you know, what are we doing? I don't understand this stuff where yeah, people make decisions people. based on <clears throat> deci- based on information that is totally untrue, like the stuff we got from Singapore. Yeah, there's with a cohort, no facts in it. Cohort of people that um, regularly write letters to the editor. Indeed. <clears throat> All right, um, <clears throat> got a frog in my throat. We've got a, a kick him out. Fairly lengthy piece. Um, very disappointing, actually. Uh, the governor of California vetoed um, a bill to expand overdose prevention programs. Yeah. And this piece says it's down to us to resist by Tucker Avra, filtermag.com, September 7th. On August the 22nd, California Governor Gavin Newsom overruled the will of the legislature and his constituents by vetoing Senate Bill 57. It would have pushed forward overdose prevention programs in Los Angeles, Oakland and San Francisco. This decision was clearly politically motivated. Governor Newsom has expressed national political ambitions and likely felt that approving a harm reduction measure could make him vulnerable to future uh, Republican critique. But the science is clear. Overdose prevention programs, also known as safe consumption sites, save lives. And California has never needed them more. Overdose deaths in California have nearly tripled over the past five years. And the state now is, yeah, that's tripled. Uh, The state now has more annual deaths than any other. Overdose prevention programs uh, where people can use banned drugs with trained staff and a host of resources like naloxone on hand are not a controversial topic in public health, only in politics. Gambling with the lives of people who use drugs only serves political agendas. Equipped with clear scientific evidence, harm reductionists, medical professionals and public health practitioners have a responsibility to do what is right, regardless of what the law approves. Indeed. Overdose prevention programs save lives is the next heading. The simple truth is that OPP work, overdose prevention programs work. Beyond lowering the death count, they help to prevent an array of bad health and social outcomes. It's a radical act to provide hospitality to the most vulnerable coming among us. Overdose prevention programs do this without qualifications, which helps them to build trust and relationships with people who use drugs. This trust leads to referrals and care that ultimately prevent and treat conditions such as HIV, hepatitis C and abscesses, as well as devastating infections of the heart valves and bones. This prevents overcrowding in already overwhelmed hospitals, 
It reduces the burden on emergency services by reducing 911 calls for overdoses. It connects people to substance use treatment, mental health care and additional services that would they would otherwise never access. Exactly. That's a big point. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> over 160 uh, sanctioned OPP, uh, Overdose Prevention Programme, exist worldwide. For decades, these programs have thrived across Europe, Canada and Australia. As these countries have seen... Quote, how, oh, hang on, no, that's not right. Eight. Oh, I've got all my pages back to front, Jeffrey. Anyway, have seen the benefits, a huge number of overdoses reversed and countless people connected to health and social services. The number of programs continues to grow. Activists, harm reductionists and public health practitioners are left with no other choice than to resist the constraints of the law. In December 2021, New York City opened its first two overdose prevention programs where more than 400 potentially fatal overdoses have already been reversed. Fantastic. If they needed any more evidence than that. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Despite the lack of federal approval, these sites opened with the support of Mayor de Blasio and arrangements with local law enforcement. The magnitude of the ongoing overdose epidemic was a concern of the utmost importance. Greater than the obligation to adhere to federal law, legislation in support of OBP has since been advancing in New York State, with advocates urging Governor Kathy Hotchkull, or Hotchkull to authorise the programs statewide. In New York 2021, Rhode Island legalised overdose prevention programs in a pilot program that's moving forward this year. Unfortunately, this wave of change is moving more slowly than the huge and growing wave of overdose deaths in this country. So activists, harm reductionists and public health practitioners in states like California are left with no other choice than to resist the constraints of the law and continue to provide people who use drugs with the safety and dignity that all humans deserve. Yeah, I can only agree. agree. Yes. Keep that in mind. We are human beings, troops. Indeed. Uh, it goes on overdose prevention uh, despite the law. Uh, OPP have operated in the United States in spite of the law for many years, acquiring a well-documented track record of preventing overdoses. This work is already being done without state or, or federal approval. Now is a critical moment for additional action and organising around evidence and compassion for people who use drugs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> who would have thought? Yeah. One of Governor Newsom's core claims behind his veto of the law um, was yeah. that we're yet to prepare the proper operational procedures and sustainability needed to ensure the success of future programs. Yet, as those of us in harm reduction know, organisations across the state have been preparing to launch these programs for years. They've got plans. They've got plans. Yeah, they, mean, they know how to do it. They've, all they have to do is ring up Sydney and find out how they're doing it. Yeah? There's evidence all over the world they Absolutely. Could, could access. No, I think it's, um, as they said, it's political. He's got national yep. ambitions and he doesn't want to be sticking his neck out supporting yeah. harm reduction. And what's happening in the rest of the world has nothing to do with the United States. Yeah, no, exactly. That's a Republican position. Uh, it's got a quote, we cannot and should not wait for permission. We must continue to provide evidence-based assistance to the people who most need it. Contrary to Governor Newsom's assertion, Californian harm reduction organisations are beyond ready 
to provide these much-needed services to people in our community who have been disregarded for decades. These community organisations have convened with coordinators of already functioning sites with their uh, experiential and practical support. Local providers have developed a clear understanding of what is needed to successfully operate a safe consumption site. And there is also substantial academic literature to inform us about best practice, as you said, Marion. Indeed. Lots of evidence. We cannot and should not wait for permission. Mobilising in pursuit of freedom and safety for people who use drugs, regardless of the law, is not a new concept. Rebellion against laws that further marginalise communities of people who use drugs has persisted in this country for decades. Indeed. But the history of harm reduction is one of resistance, and that's true. The harm reduction advocacy model that we use today found its start during the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Is this a whole new article? No, it's the same one. Um, yep. Uh, found its uh, found its start during the HIV/AIDS epidemic of 1980s. Advocates, physicians, and public health officials acted in the face of political inaction, as our government willfully ignored the data that people who injected drugs experienced the highest rates of HIV infection during the height of the epidemic. And that was certainly true in New York, which is how the ACT and Australia, in fact, got a needle and syringe exchange in place first up with peer education wrapped into that model of service provision. In 1985, a pilot syringe access program in New York City was blocked by the police Undeterred, harm reductionists handed out uh, sterile syringes despite facing arrest. Remember, Jeffrey, I told you that Drick actually funded that. Drick now directions, I might add, sent money over to the uh, people who were doing civil disobedience. Really? And Yeah, we sent them a grant because wow. they could be- get fits way cheaper in the States than we could hit. We were paying 37 cents at a time when they were, could get one for seven cents in wow. the United States. Okay. But, yeah, so we supported <clears throat> them for it. Anyway... It goes on. Public health experts, sorry, undeterred harm reductionists handed out sterile syringes despite facing arrest. Public health experts joined the fight by providing the necessary data to inform policymakers. Ultimately, syringes service programs became normalised, a public health success built by initially flaunting state and federal laws. It's impossible to estimate how many lives were spared among people who use drugs and those who do not because of the civil disobedience of harm reductionists. This was at the stage, Jeffrey, where 60% of injecting drug users were HIV infected and they had... Um, they had adoption agencies screaming out because there were so many parents of kids who had overdosed or died of yeah. AIDS yeah. or HIV-related conditions. Yeah. It was just... Terrible. It was miserable and just wrong. And the mayor just said it was genocide to provide needle and syringe exchange programs. Wow. Boy, were we <laughs> angry, angry. We recognise the multifaceted barriers harm reduction activists must overcome to further mobilise for OPP or opiate provision programs. More daunting than just Newsom's veto of SB 57. For instance, police have stood vehemently against the introduction of these life-saving programs, citing rehash drug war rhetoric or rhetoric. This comes as no surprise but is a constant struggle. 
this is not simply a controversial topic on one or one which uh, we hope one day to sway Newsom's opinions. This is a fight against a p- political affront that has already caused countless unnecessary deaths. Yeah, exactly. There's a common misconception that harm reduction programs, which aim to keep people alive regardless of whether or not they stop using drugs, somehow promote drug use or lead to its increase or more needles on the street. But this is simply not true. Decades of research has proven that providing the sterile needles, syringes and safe location to consume drugs does not increase drug use. These services also reduce syringe litter, which was proven in the ACT time and again. Every year they used to pick up and do a uh, Clean Up Australia Day. Never found fits. Seven fits they used to find one year. As a safe location to dispose of used syringes is available. Okay, where are we up to? Number 13. I've still got them back to front, Jeffrey. Damn it. 11, 12. No, no, this is the end of it. The recent tragedy of SB57's veto should not demoralise those of us already doing this crucial work. Political inaction is no reason to surrender to fight for the lives of millions falling victim to increasing avoidable overdose death rates. This is not simply a controversial topic on which we hope one day to sway Newsom's opinions. This is a fight against a political affront to freedom that has already caused Californians and people across the US countless unnecessary deaths. Over 11,000 people died of overdose in California in 2021 and each of these deaths was a policy favor, failure. As Martin Luther King so famously expressed, quote, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. In response to Newsom's recent decision to veto an entire demographic's access to safety, harm reduction activists, physicians and public health providers in California should continue to do just that. Hear, hear. Joseph Friedman is a substance use researcher at UCLA, who studies the overdose crisis. I wonder if this related to Sam Friedman, who was... Uh, yeah, long-time uh, supporter. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. Was, uh, well, Sam Friedman, one of the original harm reduction um, activists in New York and worked for... Yeah, I've uh, met, met Sam. Yeah. Sorry? I've met Sam, yeah. You met, yeah. yeah. Was Lovely very good color. friends with Sam, actually. I met him at WHO. He's a great guy. Great man. Yep. Really nice guy. All right, thought I'd play a Lou Reed song in um, sort of... The one that we didn't get to do last week, yeah? yeah? this is The Last Shot. Oh. Unless I sure killed me drink Let's drink to the last shot and the blood on the dishes in the sink Blood inside the coffee cup Blood on the tabletop But when you quit you quit But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot When you quit you quit 
But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot I shot blood at the fly on the wall My heart almost stopped, hardly there at all I broke the mirror with my fall, with my fall, 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 fall. Give me a double, give yourself one, two. Give me a short beer, and one for you, too. And a toast to everything, it doesn't move, it doesn't move. But when you quit, you quit. But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot When you quit, you quit But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot Whiskey, bourbon, vodka, scotch I don't care what it is you got just want to know that it's my last shot My last shot I remember when I quit pretty good See this here is where I chipped my tooth Shot a vein in my neck and I coughed up a quaalude On my last shot My last shot Here's a toast to all that's good and here's a toast to hate And here's a toast to toasting and I'm not boasting When I say I'm getting straight When I say I'm getting straight But when you quit, you quit But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot When you quit, you quit but you always wish that you knew it was your last shot Yeah, good old Lou Reed. That was a great one, Jeffy. I never listened to that before. It's not one of his well-known tracks. It's no. strange, that's strange, but yeah, you would. It'd be good to know it was your last shot. By the way, we've just heard, because uh, a listener sent a text in, that Uncle Jack Charles uh, died this morning at, uh, what was the time, 10.30? 10, well, this morning sometime. It was yeah. released at 10.30 yeah. this morning. So we'd say valet to Jack Charles, Uncle Jack, um, and thanks for all his effort and his work. He was a, a much-loved uh and much, much venerated yes. member of the um, First Nations community. He was an activist in all areas of his life. Even I think when he was using, he did advocate not using. He wanted. He did get straight. Gave up smoking, but indeed he died. And I just hope he didn't die in pain. Mm. I hope his last shot was nice. No, he was such a multi-talented person. Yeah, you know, um, and and look, he just didn't ever seem to um, exude any venom, any vindictiveness, no. any any uh, vicious attitude, or any uh, maybe some regrets for things that he hadn't done in his lives, as opposed to things maybe even for some of the things that he had done. But I'll certainly miss him and I'll bet the First Nations community will too. So 
please, yeah, yeah, just think think kindly about uh, your last shot and think about what you might be doing to yourself in your life and think about people you love and remember Indeed. that um, we should value each other and always value the people that you know are looking after other people yep. in whatever way possible. I think Jack is the NAIDOC uh, Male of the Year currently, you know. The nominated. Yeah, oh, or, currently well, yeah. is. Yeah. So. You know, he was acknowledged by um, First Nations communities. Yeah. Well, 79, was it, Jeffrey? did you say? Um, it was on the... 70-something. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, not a bad age for an Indigenous First Nations. It goes against the grain. I wonder if his um, drug use kept him immune. I know that's 79. I think so, 79, yep. yeah. But we'll miss him anyway and we'll miss his voice and miss his personality. This is interesting. It says his family's given permission for his name and image to be used and said in a statement that he will live on in our hearts and memories through his numerous screen and stage roles. We're so proud of everything he's achieved in his remarkable life. Elder, actor, musician, potter, activist, mentor, a household name and a voice loved by all. Yeah, and I'm sorry I should have uh, warned you before I mentioned his name. But uh, when you're announcing that somebody's died, forget that the Indigenous, the proper way to do it for First Nations people is to warn them that you're going to use the name of the person who has died. So my apologies for that to the First Nations community, but uh, I'm sure you understand that when you get a shock like that, and that means it happened just as we came to air. Yeah. He died just as we came to air this morning. And uh, we will all miss him. It's very sad news. Yeah. So... Look, and all drug users, all drug activists, all people who have died, whether they think they use drugs or they acknowledge that they use drugs or they don't acknowledge that they use drugs or know anyone who used drugs, you're wrong. You are using drugs. If you drink alcohol, you're using drugs. If you drink coffee, you're using drugs. The amount of caffeine, even in uh, Diet Coke, is monumental. Sugar is a drug. If mm. anybody's been watching the uh, show on Tuesday nights uh, with Richard Roxburgh, yeah, the science of the science drugs, of drugs yeah. it's been really interesting. And the type of drugs that they've been looking at, have, you know, really they've looked bits at heroin and they've looked at uh, hallucinogens, but they've also looked at sugar and alcohol. And oh, it's yeah, worth checking out. It, yeah, it's a good show and it's very pragmatic and it looks at things with a, a with great sensibility and scientific yeah. assessment. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's worth watching. Yeah, no, I th- hopefully it uh, has had an impact on people to think about these issues a bit more broadly than just drugs are bad. You you can't just assume that you don't know anybody who uses drugs. No. It just means you don't know about it yet. Or they choose not to mention it. Well, but you don't know about it yet, Jeffrey. I mean, the bottom line is that you just haven't heard about it yet. It's happening, but you don't know yet. All right, that's it for another episode of News from the Drug War Front. Uh, don't forget the 2XX Radiothon. Um, donate or of subscribe course, if yep. you can. Mention our show. would yeah. be great. If and you remember, yeah. just but Or go to the block party at the uh, Polish club on Saturday, Saturday. night, yep. the 17th. Yep. And <coughs> there'll be prizes and giveaways and 
just go and uh, remember to value double X, yep. yeah, or Support just make a donation. Yep. Go to the door, chuck some money in the bin and go away again if you don't want to go to the block party. Yeah. I mean, Whatever just you can do, value double X because yep. we do. We value it every week. We are grateful for and if I do nothing else, in my lifetime at the moment, I'll do this show because I love it and I do it because I can, because Double X lets us. Exactly. So All right. we say goodbye. We'll say goodbye and we'll leave you with the theme song, uh, Golden Brown by The Stranglers. So goodbye and look after each other, darling. Indeed. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown Every time Just like the last On her ship Tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown Golden brown, fine attemptress through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day Never a 